0: humbled this morning to share with uh, godly men and women and you don't know what it means to me for your pastor to have confidence in you and ask you to stand before godly men and women Uh, we shall be doing a lot of uh, slides this morning Uh, we will have uh, uh, could you please help turn off the light so that we can have a good uh, view of some of the slides we have okay Uh, This morning, uh, I will want to share with you our little testimony and what God is doing in the Church of God back in Nigeria. And so, in these few minutes, I will only be giving you a tip of the iceberg of everything I would like to say. I was born into a Christian family. My dad was a pastor. He died in active service after serving for 41 years as a minister of the gospel. And I want to assure you, friends, if you wanted to be my worst enemy then, tell me that I would be a pastor. Very seriously. But you see, when the time came For God to scoop me from where I wanted to go. To be a pastor was the most exciting thing in my life again. I've been in the ministry for the past 21 years now. And all of these years, God has been so faithful to me. I started the ministry as a single young man. A young woman stole my heart, and we are connected together for the past 19 years. And God, in His glory, in His majesty, in His grace, has blessed our union. With the fruit of the womb, I know many of you do not know so much about our family, but today I will want to share this with you. People have asked between Jemima and uh, Ephraim and Elonai—that's a very huge gap. I say, how come? Now, our life has been a life of trust in the Lord and faith in the Lord. Jemima was barely two years old when her dad, my elder brother, died in a car crash. I know some are saying, really? Yes. And since she was two years old, she became... And you know, in African culture, families, we are so extended, we are not nuclear. So the, the son of your brother, of your brother's brother, is still your son. So when you go to Africa and people say, this is my son it doesn't necessarily mean biological. So our relationship is very much uh, uh, knitted together, so much so that when you go to Africa with an American concept of family, you say, how many fathers do you have? You ask, how many mothers do you have? Because our aunts are considered mothers. We don't really distinguish between aunts, uncles, kind of. Yeah, you can have those relationships, but when you go to Africa in a family setting, we are one. So she became our true daughter again. Besides being our daughter because of my brother's relationship, she became our primary responsibility when she was just two. And God responded to our marriage... After 11 years of constant prayers and looking up to God. And so when he came, we named him Ephraim because he is double fruitfulness. And when he came, we say, okay, we are so excited. We wanted another, isn't it? We wanted another one immediately. <laughs> and again, God... Put a stop to allow us to sing and to think and to appreciate him one more time. And when we have given up, Elionai came again. And the meaning of Eleonai is that our face look unto God. That's the meaning of Eleonai. And we also name him Brian. That's his second name, Brian. We named him after the man that stayed in his home in Kentucky for two years. And in African culture, when you have a visitor when the woman is pregnant, if he is a noble person, if she is a virtuous woman, the expectation of the family is to have that child look Become like that noble person, like that virtuous woman. And so you will find in African context, I mean, culture, names that are not even close to your culture. You can name a child after a very noble person with the expectation that the child will grow and become a noble person like that man or like that woman. And so Brian is a noble man in our side. And we name him in honor of him. So that's it. A little bit about my uh, family. Justina was born into a Christian family. The first of seven. And I am the fifth of ten. And God blessed my father as a pastor like a uh, job. Though the other side of Job is not part of my dad. He was not rich. But he was rich with seven boys and three girls so that's just the one part of job that my dad has today we face death in Nigeria with a smile and the word of God in James chapter 1 verse 1 to 4 says James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, when we talk about persecution, the first thing that comes to our mind as human beings, and it is natural, there's nothing sinful about feeling the pains, the agony, and, and, and cry unto God. But you see, even in the midst of trials and temptation, God expects us to consider our trials with joy. The time you go through trials, it's not a pleasant experience, but it is the result when you come out of it triumphantly that gives you the joy to go through it. I was sharing with some people this, this week. I said, look, anything good, anything good doesn't come easily. A student toils, burn the midnight uh, candle. Some people will stay without even food. They struggle in school, but they don't quit. But the day they graduate, what happens? They are out of that unpleasant situation, and they look with great expectation to have a job that will pay the bills that they never had when they were going through studying. Study is not easy. It is hard. But you know that at the end of the tunnel of that dark journey, there is something greater than the short period of struggle in college that you go through. And it is exactly the same thing in our Christian life. It's just a short tunnel, but a brighter future, a very wide and unending joy but there is just a short tunnel that you have to go through. And God has chosen, or has allowed persecution to be that short tunnel that you go through as a believer, to now burst into the endless joy that he has for you. And so James, having gone through the same experience, is a Admonishing the believers who are scattered. Don't forget at this time they have been scattered by what? By persecution. And he is encouraging them to know that persecution is a testing of your faith. What grade does a student come out with when a teacher gives them quizzes? So, I mean, uh, trials for us believers... It's like a student taking a quiz to be determined by the professor the grade that the student has. A student that studies very well, even if you are not an A student, there is a level of commitment to your study that your teacher knows, and he will say, well done, my student. Isn't it? We don't have to score A's some students can score B in their grade and that B is the best they have put in and I tell you, they are better. And so, God allows trials, persecution, to come our way as a testing of faith. So now, if you have a negative thought about persecution, the Bible is saying that It is the testing of your faith to produce something that you do not know. And what is that thing? Perseverance. And it is producing perseverance so that it will finish its work that you may become mature. When you give birth to a child, we do everything humanly possible for a child to what? To grow. If the child does not grow, what happens to us as parents? We become worried. And so God is also worried when you refuse to go through this process of maturity. When you go to the grocery store, even the children have their own section. You go to Geber's section. It's not meant for adults like you. It's for them to grow to maturity like you. They can't grow to maturity until they have taken the right food meant for them. And by the time they grow to maturity, how many of us still go back to take Geba food? No. We have outgrown eating Geber's food. And God prepares us in persecution so that we grow beyond grumbling and crying. And so when we come to maturity through persecution, friends, even when we face death, we face death with a smile. It is at the point of maturity that Stephen could say, God, Forgive them. If Stephen was not mature, I tell you, Stephen would have said, God, what have I done? You know, that's the question we always ask. What have I done, God? And sometimes we also ask this selfish question. There is an underneath selfishness in our question. Why me? Should it then have been someone else? Isn't that what our question is? Why me? God prepares us for us to be mature. What is it that comes to your mind when the word persecution is mentioned? To some people, verbal insults is persecution. To others, physical injuries and pain. To some, when their rights are denied, Their religious rights, their political rights, their economic rights, when they are denied, it's also persecution. But to many Christians, and to the Christians in Nigeria, it is all of the above. Both the verbal insults, the physical injuries, the physical pains, the denials of rights, our religious, our political, our economic, and... Above all, to us, persecution means death. And we face it every day we wake up in Nigeria. The testimony of our journey of faith comes from the midst of persecution in Nigeria. You know, we don't exercise our faith from a zone it's from the midst of persecution on June 17 2012 God protected my family from a bomb attack a suicide bomber attacked our church during morning service on that fateful day I know some of you have not heard this story but this is our testimony June 17th, 2012, it was Father's Day. I was here in the U.S. at Kentucky. While we were worshiping God here celebrating Father's Day, it was a gloomy day for my family back in Nigeria. My wife, my daughter, Jemima, and Ephraim. Ephraim was just barely two. Yes, oh. He just turned 2 in May, and then in June, this thing happened. And as you can, I don't know if you can see. Oops. Okay. Okay. Now you can see this is the road where the suicide woman drove to the church. And this is the adult church. And in the there were about six hundred adults in the church, and this is the children's church. Almost, almost two hundred children were in this small church, singing, pressing, jumping, uh, pinching one another. I know, you know, children, just just relaxing and tr- pressing God. Here you will see a very strong iron gate. And so when the suicide bomber now came, he ramped the iron gate and the bomb exploded from the gate. Now, you will expect the wall to fall right inside and destroy the children that were in church that morning. But contrary to force of gravity and nature, God pulled down the wall of this church outward. And so, you can, you can see the dangerous woods, nails, and everything. You should expect them to be there. But God spared the lives of the children. And like I said, I went back to Nigeria two weeks after the incident. So this is the small church of the children. God said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior in all their distress. He too was distressed and the angel of his presence saved them in his love and mercy. He redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old, according to Isaiah 63, verse 89. That is the God that we serve. And we see the practical manifestation of God's protection in our lives every day. And that is why our faith is built. Sometimes we smile, we laugh. You will think we are rich. Yes, we are rich in Christ Jesus we do not have the human resources that people put their trust in we put our trust in the lord and i tell you friends we rejoice even in the midst of persecution psalm 43 says i mean 46 1 to 5 says god is our refuge and strength an ever present help in trouble this Passages are very real to us. They are not theories. You know, I used to tell my, my American friends. I said, "You see, we both have different experiences and response to certain past, I mean uh, 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 scriptural verses. You know, when you talk of some. 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he leaded me to lie down in quiet. You know, the the American brothers enjoy and realize and resonate with the first three verses of that psalm. But when it comes to, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, most Americans have never walked through the valley of the shadow of death. We resonate with this. And I said, you see, you guys, God have placed you in a position to enjoy and say with confidence the first three verses. And he has also put us in a position to enjoy the last three verses. That even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we say no evil for his rod and his staff. They comfort us. We are not less... I mean, believers than you. You are not more believers than us. Every experience we have, God has a reason and a purpose and the grace that he has given us to stand. And so God will not judge me based on what he has not given me the ability to overcome. And that is why Paul said, For every trials and temptation, God has made what? An exit route for us. Even though we face trials and temptation, persecution, God is an ever-present help to us. Now, this is the impact. You can see the children's church and the adult church. So, this is the impact of the bomb blast. And because of security, we always have burglary-proof, very strong iron, burglary-proof iron that we protect our buildings. But you can look at how strong these iron roads are, but they almost gave way of a bomb explosion some distance away from the church. Now, the intent of this suicide bomber, you know very well was to drive right inside the church, isn't it? And destroyed everybody. But just at the gate, God miraculously allowed the bomb to explode that he might show his people that he is with them. A once beautifully decorated altar of the Lord now stands defaced. This is the altar, beautifully—I mean, uh, decorated before now. But after the bombers, in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-six verse nineteen, it says, "They set fire to God's temple and broke the wall of Jerusalem." They bond all the palaces and destroy everything of value. Isn't that true of our church? They destroy everything of value. Is it the instrument that we, you know, we in Africa, we love praising God with every, like the psalmist said, let the people praise God with cymbals, tambourine, everything, every musical instrument you can think of, both locally made, and the one we purchase from the West, we enjoy them all in worshipping God. But they destroy them. And so when you read some passages in Scripture, you're like, does it really? It happened in the past, And our history and our testimony today is reminiscent of what has happened in the past. This young girl almost lost her wrist in that bomb attack. These beautiful children you see here were in the church. The day the suicide bomber came to attack the church. So, these beautiful children here that you see would have all been what? Dead by now. You see a brother and a sister in the church that day. Many families. These beautiful children would have died in that bomb attack. See, Now, you can see the impact of the uh, attack on the mentored the ceiling, everything came down the roof, blown off, you can see the ray of light that entered I, I, and you see one good thing with us that we, we those, these things build our faith the more, if it were in the US here, for security purpose, that very day the police would have condoned the area with yellow isn't it? And it will take almost forever until this is built to the specification of the government and to human sense of security before somebody can come in. But I tell you, friends, the people went back the next Sunday to praise God. And this is the second Sunday. That was when, I mean, I I went back to Nigeria and I fellowship with them to take these pictures. In that suicide bomb attack, we lost a 36-year-old Sunday school te- children's Sunday school teacher. He was trying to help the children, and a flying object, uh, um, object hit him, and uh, he died. So in that suicide bomb attack, we lost this young man and a seven-month-old I mean, seven baby. She slipped off the hands of the one who was carrying her, fell on the ground, and died so friends we go through this almost on a daily basis we wake up and there is no crisis in Nigeria we are surprised and you wake up here there is crisis you are surprised but when we don't wake up with a crisis we are like is it true Boko Haram, as all of you, you know, most of you, when you hear Boko Haram, you didn't get to hear about Boko Haram until they adopted, uh, abducted uh, 250 girls. And that was when the world started talking against that, that most of you started to know that something very terrible is happening in Nigeria. That is years after we have been going through a lot. The issue of Boko Haram, Boko Haram is affiliated to ISIS, so you can imagine what is happening to us in Nigeria and the church in particular. According to Amnesty International, hear what they say, Boko Haram kills too many to count in Nigeria. And that is the truth about it. It is an Islamic terrorist group that has killed Christians and destroyed churches more than the casualties of the civil war that was fought in Nigeria from July 1967 to January 1970. During the civil war in Nigeria, in just few years of the existence of Boko Haram, statistics shows that they have killed many people, destroyed many churches and homes, put together a civil war of how many years from 67 to 70, how many years, almost five years or so. I was, born at the, at the, I was born just close to the end of the... The, the, uh, the war just started, and almost ending, I was just in between. I was born in between. So you can see my life is characterized by what? Crisis, even. How did I survive during the short period that I was born and the Civil War was on? It's only God. This is a sad experience of just one church out of thousands of churches around the world. However, like I said, in the midst of all the persecution in Nigeria, the church still remains firm on uh, on Christ the solid rock. I hope you will be able to listen to what the church sings every day to the glory of God. Can you have that play please? the solid rock friends we stand all other ground is sinking sand to us we have seen just like the children of Israel theirs was a parting sea they walk through dry land and we are saved ours is a parting bomb and we walk through the bombs unscathed. Fast forward, this is just our testimony, but now let's fast forward to just last year between December and May. In Esther chapter three, verse nine, if it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give them and I will give ten thousand talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. Now, this was Herman. He was willing to sacrifice his uh, well, I hope it was his heart and money but he was willing to sacrifice his resources to advance to advance the annihilation the destruction of God's people. Do you know how much the 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 arab war has pumped into nigeria to muslims to do the same thing today it is unbelievable amount that even with my little education i cannot call the the figure i'm not a man of figure maybe my brother uh 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 when he says this Uh, 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 the figure he will be able to say what amount that is. Saudi Arabia, is it Qatar, is it all these Arab countries that have nothing meaningful to do with oil money, pumps money to the Islamization of Nigeria. Now this is the governor of my state, in, and like Hammond conspiracy, the governor himself admitted to paying money to the terrorist while the victims suffer untold hardship. It's not—I mean, it's not political uh, 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 statement. No, he said it. He is of the hearts man. He's a full and man the Huntsmen that are terrorizing the southern part of my state. And my state is divided mostly into two major uh, 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 groups. The southern part of the state, we are predominantly Christians. And then the northern part of the state, predominantly they are are Muslims. And so he is the governor and he is a Fulani man. And the Fulani are the Huntsmen that are terrorizing our community now. So, a terrorist group is being emboldened by the government that we elected. He said, we've paid some Fulani to stop killings in southern Kaduna. Now, does it make sense that you now go to pay terrorists to stop killing their victims? And then the victims are left unarmed? and unprovided with even the little resources that they have toiled around, I mean, uh, all their years, that have been destroyed. You left them, and then you are emboldened. Does it really make sense? That is conspiracy. Now, some of these things, you cannot hear it from the media. This is a small a boy who was born on February 16. His father and mother were born to death four days later. And then his siblings were severely burned. I have been in touch with uh, one of my pastor's friends who is in that uh, community. And we've been trying to see how we can uh, get in touch with the, uh, some of the relations. He was rushed to the teaching hospital that is very close uh, to our state there. So, as of now, I don't really know his, uh, his condition. But I hope maybe sometime this week I should be able to receive some uh, uh, news from that, my friend. But from the time I had this, uh, he was recuperating at the university teaching hospital. So I hope these few weeks that I have not heard from my friend, it will be a very good news that he is Uh, he survived. it, But even if he does not survive it, God has demonstrated his power that he can save us even in the midst of trouble. He survived it, and we pray that God will continue to strengthen this little boy. You see, you don't get to hear most and see this on the media. Recently, It's mass burial that our people, how do you go to bury people individually when you have people, I mean, many people killed in one day. So our people previously, I mean, uh, recently have been doing mass burial on people. But listen to this. They will put you out of of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. According to John 16, 2-3. They think they are doing a service to their God. Homes and churches are bound with impunity. The injustices that Christians are facing in the north... It's unbelievable. And hear what the psalmist says. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. People without regard for God. And that's exactly what is happening. You can see churches destroyed, homes destroyed, people are rendered harmless. We are wounded, friends, but with our wounds we are driven to worship. With our wounds, we are driven to worship. That is why Paul said in First 1 Corinthians 12.10, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, The strength of the Lord is infused in my weakness, and my weakness gives way to the strength of the Lord. And that is why I am strong. We are not strong because we have the ability and the capacity to be strong in persecution. We are strong in our faith in the face of persecution because of the infused, imputed righteousness. And you cannot divorce the righteousness of God from his strength. And so, we become strong in our weakness because the strength of the Lord becomes our strength. The media by us reporting, you know, even here in America, we are being bamboozled with political lies. And then, and then Christianity is, is hated when you hear anything about Christ on the television. It's either, uh, 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 you don't hear that from the mainstream media. You just don't hear that. When Western media attempt to even report the persecution of Christians in Nigeria, they make it look like some few people had a misunderstanding, and so they clashed. The highest you can hear the media, when it gets to the point that they can no longer hide it, they can't sweep it under the carpet, they will just give it, what, a flash headlight like, oh, there was a clash in Nigeria. Friends? It is not a clash. It is massacre. It's not a mere clash. Now, a shepherd always has two things with him. A staff and a rod. And I grew up seeing men using the rod and a staff when they are grazing their cattle. Are these hut, Are these rod and stuff? They now go with sophisticated. Okay, now this is this. These are poor people who only rear cattle. They live in the in, in 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 the rural areas with their cattle. How did they come about sophisticated weapons like this? They destroy the farmlands. Our people are mainly only farm. I mean farmers. They depend on the little farm produce that they farm, and as I speak with you now, there is a great farm I, Uh I have some, I have some bundle of uh, statistics, and uh, I have communicate a lot of things that have, I'm studying and I'm receiving from home. People are living in hung- hunger. Now is their number one. I mean, is there is, is another? Terrorists to them. You want to win a battle? Cut short the supply of food. And that's it. Our people are killed with impunity. Look at what is happening to our churches they are destroyed to ground zero. But hear what the Bible says. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body. Yes, humanly speaking, we are afraid, but Our faith in the Lord is strong. This is the the, uh, map of Nigeria. And uh, Kaduna here, this is the capital city of my state. Zaria is just an hour's drive away from the capital city. And Zaria is the second largest city in my state. And this is where our ministry is. So we are ministering among Muslims here. The, the, the northern part of the state, but the southern part of the state. Let me show you the state map. Okay, this is the state map. So the southern, p- I mean the northern part, the red, are pre- is pre- predominantly Muslim, and then the yellow part, we are predominantly, I mean, uh, uh, Christian. So I am from this local government, the county. You uh, you call it counties here? Sorry, in uh, British we call them local government. You also understand them as local government. So this is where my local government is. And this is where the persecution, they want to capture this place because, oops, sorry. They want to capture my local government because Kafantan is the largest city in the southern part. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation so that Israel's name is remembered no more. And that's the plan of them. To destroy us in the northern part so that our name will be no more. My friends, God is on our side. You can see the tears. These might just be the only surviving family members. A pastor friend went for a conference. He left on Friday to come back on Saturday so that uh, on Sunday he would preach. What happened? Only to come back that Sunday... On the Friday night he left for the conference, that Friday night, the terrorists attacked the village, destroyed his church, the home, his wife, and three kids. He is all by himself now. This is one of the biggest markets in Kafanchan destroyed. When the economy of the people is destroyed, what hope do they have? The numbers of widows are on the increase. And so, friends, the church is still standing firm because we believe God has hearkened the cry of his people. With your prayers, we will be able to do it. We stand firm because we know God has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted. We stand firm because we know that the suffering that we go through produces perseverance, And it will take us to the point that we will be mature in Christ Jesus. Christians in Nigeria want their fellow believers in the West to listen to their stories so that they can pray meaningfully about them. Pray that Christians may reach out to their persecutors in love. It's hard. Pray that God may restrain the hands of the evil ones. Pray for widows and orphans that are in the increase. And pray for financial and material provisions that the people can rebuild their places of worship and homes. There is joy in suffering on account of our faith, brothers. Christians in Nigeria are facing facing genocide, but only a few people in the West uh, recognize the severity of the persecution we endure. We do not wish our situation upon the West. I pray nobody seated here should experience what we go through. However, if it does come, May you have the grace to go through it joyfully. Forgiveness is vital to our Christian life. Therefore, pray that we will forgive our persecutors. The hardest kind of prayer to pray as a believer is for your persecutor, for your enemy. It's hard, but pray for us to love them. This was the Bible that our daughter Jemima went to the church on that fateful day. It has stains of blood that we keep as a reminder. Remember in Joshua chapter 4, when they crossed the Jordan, God asked them to pick 12 stones. They set the stones. He said, when your children ask you what happened, why these stones? Tell them the miracles of the Lord. Just before we dropped her off yesterday, we reminded her of how precious she is in the sight of the Lord and how God has not forsaken her. And we keep this as a remembrance. We hope we hope, she will share this with her children, how God has been faithful in delivering his people. We have a ministry. We will reach out to widows and orphans It's a ministry we are trying to raise people that will be a supporter to us. Our heart bleeds for our widows and orphans back in Nigeria. Join us in prayers, And uh, I've shared with two of our brethren here. They may share with you in clearer English tongue. My English has an accent. It's not clear enough to probably share with you that, but when Brother Collins or Kirk shares with you, they may share in an accent that you will understand. And I pray that you will join us as we raise support for our widows and our orphans. Friends, I have so much, both statistics and letters from uh, denominational heads to me that I don't have the time to read to you here But I tell you, I am constantly receiving a lot of information, current, concerning what is happening. Would you join us in prayers as we also want to extend and be the hands, the feet of Jesus to our widows and orphans and the persecuted church. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us that even in the midst of trials and persecution, you are there for us. Grant us the grace, O God, to stand firm and raise men and women, O God, to support our ministry, even as we desire, O God, to meet the needs of our churches back in Nigeria that face persecution on a daily basis. In your name we pray.